Welcome to the Thinking Practitioner Podcast, a podcast where we dig into the fascinating issues, conditions, and quandaries in the massage and manual therapy world today. I'm Whitney Lowe. And I'm Till Luca. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Thinking, Thinking Practitioner. Practitioner. Books of Discovery has been a part of massage therapy education for over 20 years. Thousands of schools around the world teach with their textbooks, e-textbooks, and digital resources. In these trying times, this beloved publisher is dedicated to helping educators with online-friendly digital resources that make instruction easier and more effective in the classroom or virtually. Books of Discovery likes to say, learning adventures start here, and they see that same spirit here on the Thinking Practitioner podcast, and they're proud to support our work, knowing we share the mission to bring the massage and bodywork community enlivening content that advances our profession. Check out their collection of e-textbooks and digital learning resources for pathology, kinesiology, anatomy, physiology at booksofdiscovery.com, where Thinking Practitioner listeners can save 15% by entering Thinking at checkout. So welcome everyone to Thinking Practitioner. Till is off this week, and I have the delightful pleasure of hanging out with my good friend and colleague of several decades, Sandy Fritz. We're always, uh, we always get into fascinating discussions on uh, education, practice, and all kinds of other topics where we're all going. And today I wanted to focus a little bit on the future of the profession. So Sandy, welcome to the Thinking Practitioner. Oh, Whitney, I'm thrilled to be here. I've been watching or listening to the podcast since you started it. All right. Oh. And we should have, it's been, uh, we're way too far into this to not have had you as a guest yet. So I was uh, glad to get to do that today. So um, you are a household name in our profession for so many people, but for those very few who don't know who you are, give us a little bit of introduction, if you will, to who you are and what you're up to uh, these days. So I have been a massage therapist uh, since the dark ages, almost uh, mm -hmm. late 1970s. And you started the massage profession, in fact, didn't you? Almost. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I have practiced in multiple settings uh, with multiple clients through those years, uh, 45 years. Mm -hmm. And. And I have a had a massage therapy school since uh, the mid 1980s, 36 years, and I've written uh, entry level and advanced level textbooks for Mosby now under the imprint of Elsevier uh, for 25 plus years, and I am uh, actually in a revision process. Uh, and I also am now uh, editing uh, Dr. Leon Chedow's revisions um, and have a bunch of editorial queries to deal with with that. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's a monumental task. I mean, he was such a incredibly prolific uh, writer and he's done so much, certainly for our field and for people in many other fields too. And, and I know you had a wonderful working relationship with him for many years and, and I'm sure that's been a a great enriching process for you and also a, a big uh, mantle to take on to, to, yeah. to continue that going. But, you know, legacy is important and he's kind of like I am in that we didn't necessarily develop a brand mm -hmm. or, stick or something like that. He was the great integrator. Uh-huh. And uh, that doesn't always develop a strong legacy line. And, yeah. Uh, I I was really fortunate, as with other teachers that I've had over the years, to have spent so many years with him um, and doing what he told me to do. Yeah. 
I remember back in massage school in this is probably 1987 or so. Um, and I saw a copy of what a lot of people refer to as the blue book, you know, the original one, the uh, soft tissue manipulation. And I was just astounded and blown away by the things that he was introducing with the concepts of what manual therapy could do and what, what we could potentially be doing. And this whole idea of, of using this as a, as a real therapeutic tool, because nobody that I had seen at least had written anything like that uh, up until that time. So that was certainly an inspiration for, for many of us. Yep. And, uh, you know, you look back on that, one of the things you had mentioned, we might talk about is trends mm -hmm. and you look back on that book. Cause that was my first introduction to him as well. And I was so desperate for that level of understanding within the massage community in my early practice days. Um, that I immediately got a hold of him and told him that I would follow him wherever he went, which uh -huh. I basically did. Yeah. And if you look back on that, the the concepts in that book, not much has changed. The yeah. research has polished it some, mm -hmm. but um, the foundation remains solid. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it's always interesting when you look back about lines crossing and things like this. And I, I hadn't, I think maybe you and I talked about this one time before about that time that you were saying that and communicating with him and saying that you would follow him anywhere. I had asked the continuing education director at our school. I said, I know this is just like an absolutely crazy thing to think about, but would you contact this guy that's over in Europe that wrote this book and see if he'll come over here and teach for us? Yeah. And I think he probably looped through both of our geographic areas, me in Atlanta and where you are in, in Michigan at that time when he came over here. I don't know if that was his first trip over here, but it was one of the early ones we came over to, to do some teaching. I can't so. remember all of it, but I know that I would... Uh assist him and i had gone to atlanta a couple mm -hmm. of times yeah. uh, i don't remember just how that goes but i do remember meeting you you were so young <laughs> <laughs> we were all so young weren't we <laughs> no <laughs> i remember us sitting and talking and chatting and yeah so i've i've always appreciated your your journey yeah, yeah. We haven't always agreed, but you know what? That doesn't matter. Well, that's right? great. I think, you know, yeah, yeah, that's always great because, you know, we can have these kinds of debates and, and, you know, you open my eyes to things and hopefully maybe it's a two way street of us really opening uh, thought processes on different things. And I love having, you know, academic debates with people because it makes me grow. So um, I've always appreciated that. Um, so but I want to talk about a couple other things here this morning. First of all, you were recently involved with the International Consortium on Manual Therapies, and a lot of people don't know what that was or no. is. And um, they recently had an event, conference, virtual conference. Um, uh, tell us a little bit about, about the organization, its intent, and what how, how was that um, event? How, how did that go? So about three and a half, almost four years ago now, I was actually contacted about this uh, group that was forming to try to support communication amongst interdisciplinary uh, occupations that are, were using manual therapy. And they uh, wanted to make sure that massage therapy was represented. And 
You know, the, the truth is, is back, I am pushing 70 now and I'm, and I am making very um, calculated choices on where I put my energy these mm -hmm. days. And I really did not want to take on another thing. But I looked at that and I looked at that and I compared it with what was, I feel important in the massage therapy community and what was going on. And I thought, if, I think that if I put my energy into this collaboration, that it will make a difference. Yeah. And as a textbook author at entry level and beyond, I struggle with language, terminology, what to call things. I, I end up having to have a list of multiple terms because it's not my job to decide what's the right language. Yeah. So I have to represent that. It is so confusing. Mm -hmm. So for months, we as a collaborative group internationally, uh, osteopathic uh, physicians here in the United States, osteopaths in Europe and Canada, physical therapists, uh, structural integration, uh, massage therapy, chiropractic, we explain to each other what we do and what we call what we do. And the focus was for this particular uh, discussion on the biomechanical aspects, acknowledging there's a psychosocial, but mm -hmm. we were trying to find some commonality there. And it was so great. And, and yes, we did have a virtual conference and it was extremely rich. Uh, and I had blasted Facebook and all the others with, you know, the importance of this and the idea of interdisciplinary collaboration and all this kind of stuff. And I, I was disappointed, Whitney, mm -hmm. that the massage therapy community who had, that had talked about this idea of interdisciplinary, interdisciplinary, and all this kind of stuff, the professional organizations, all of them were mute. Yeah. They, I, um, I, I think that it, in, when we look back, because, you know, looking back is always part of looking forward, right? Uh, there was a real opportunity missed. Yeah. Uh, now, as far as the future goes and all that, we did develop something, uh, a mind map that is unique, that is in development for a white paper and research. In that three-year process, something very interesting happened in that the National Centers for Complementary and Integrated Health were, promote, were, were following a similar uh, direction with their uh, research uh, strategy and their strategic plan. And there were uh, uh, Helene Lajevin and Dr. Partak and, and others uh, were actually speakers at the International Consortium Conference. And it was realized <clears throat> that there was a cross uh, you know, two people doing the same thing. That affected the um, decisions made about how the consortium is going to go forward. Um, one of our main members, Bill Reed, 
was uh, actually awarded one of the big research um, grants uh, in what the NCCIH is calling force-based uh, manipulations or force-based methods and, and how that all comes together. Um, so right right now, I wouldn't say we're in stasis, but I, uh, you know, there's no sense in duplicating uh, activities. Yeah. And, um, so um, that was a big aha, you mm -hmm. know, when both groups realized how much we were working on the same thing. And much of uh, the work that we did that has to do with commonalities and terminology is going to be influencing what the NCCIH is doing in yeah. their new strategic plan. Yeah. You know, this is an interesting process, and I've seen this happen in um, multiple organizations. I saw the same kind of thing happen uh, years ago when I was working with uh, ACAC, which was the... Um, mm -hmm. Oh gosh, now I forget the the acronym with the um, Academic Consortium for a Complementary Integrative Health was the uh, acronym then, and they've changed it since since that time. But the idea was to try to get what were at that time being called all the alternative and complementary health practitioners communicating with the traditional medical environment. We had a couple of conferences and get-togethers, so to speak, where we started talking about like where were our commonalities, where are our differences. This seems like a similar process whenever you have these professions that do live so much in these silos without communicating with each other. It's just hard to break those barriers down. Uh, you go to a conference or you go to an event, you get all excited because you talk to people and you see like, oh, we really, really need to do these things to reach out. But then it becomes difficult of the implementation process of how do we really put this into practice on a day-to-day -day basis uh, to make these kinds of things happen. So um, they will never happen if we don't make some efforts to reach out and do this. So I applaud you and all the people, because I know you were not only attending this event, but you were very involved with the planning and development of everything. So I applaud your your efforts in making uh, headway in that direction. And uh, I think many of us who've been around the black block quite a number of years now realize that a lot of what we're doing is laying stepping stones to the future. Um, we may not see the finish line of a lot of places, but um, we will stand on the shoulders of the giants of those before us and lay stepping stones for the future somewhere. Well, and that's the way I felt, you mm -hmm. know, it's uh, there's, there's a lack of engagement in general. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know if that is what uh, is making the massage therapy world kind of stagnant right now, or, you know, there's multiple factors going on. Um, and you can't, I knew it was going to be a slug. Everything I have done related to the massage therapy evolution is a, it takes forever. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also knew that, uh, it was gonna probably rattle some chains, which, you know, whenever you try to, un, uh, you know, move forward, um, that people get concerned about losing their status or their identity. And this was a big topic, not just for massage, but all of the disciplines involved with this is who am I if what we do is essentially the same? Mm -hmm. 
you know, and how do we how do we embrace our professional identity and where do we go with that? Um, and the 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 intent of that whole process was non-political. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I, it, so that was also something that made me go. This is an opportunity for change here. And the the stuff we did is housed on the website. It's not gone. Uh, and it'll be really interesting to see what happens next, especially with some pretty exciting stuff happening at MCCIH. Yeah. Can you, do you happen to off the top of your head, the website, so we can direct people to that? We'll certainly put it, that in the show notes is, as well. Uh, I, let's see, icmtconference.org. Okay. okay. icmtconference.org. I'll double check that link and make sure that's correct. And I'll put that in the show notes for people to, to have a look at as well. So I want to um go back for a second to something that you s- mentioned or said that having this sort of feeling that the massage therapy profession or the world was in some degree of stagnation right now. Can you um, elaborate on that? What's your perception or feeling about that? You know, I've thought and thought and thought about this. In fact, I think I even reached out to you and said, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get where we are right now. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like one of those old people that's trying to understand the new gadgets that their, you know, children or kids are playing with. Like, I don't understand this. I don't get it. You know, I'm in process for the next revision cycle for Mm -hmm. fundamentals of therapeutic massage and essential science for therapeutic massage. And I'm going, oh, what? what do we do? What, what can I do? What, what can uh, the publisher do? Um, you know, the, the school enrollments are still dropping. Mm-hmm. Schools are going out of business. That's still occurring. The pandemic had maybe a little to do with it, but not as much as some people would like to think. Yeah. Um, this change was happening way before the pandemic hit uh the uh, we are so i mean the professional organizations won't work together uh they say they have a leadership you know conference but they just i don't there's no transparency involved in it um the uh you know and i volunteered for all of them so I'm I'm active behind the scenes much more than people would think mm-hmm. and you know I just can't find cohesiveness so it feels like a bunch of duck rubber duckies in a pond floating around yeah, yeah. and I don't have an answer I don't know what it is mm-hmm. I scroll Facebook looking for you know, I look at all the different groups of massage therapists uh, to try to see where their their energy is, where their intention is, where their passion is. And um, I, so I'm a little lost when I come to this, but I don't see us, I don't see us moving forward with a, uni- a unified vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and there are practice changes in the massage world. You know, when when we got into it, it really, we, you know, I'm an old, 
I, I really wasn't much of a hippie, but I grew up in the 60s, right? Mm -hmm. So that was all about being on the edge and doing this and doing that and the other thing. Massage therapy has, as it has evolved and moved from that fringe, that edge, uh, and is now not considered alternative it is it's really mainstream um has become less of a vocation and more of a job mm -hmm. and i don't know if that is a focus on it um the uh, opportunities are broad spectrum from uh, the the uh, internet the spy industry is morphing quickly to wellness and preventative care. I mean they are very nimble. Mm -hmm. and they are uh, really embracing that one uh, end of uh, healthcare, and then you've got the medical community at the other end of healthcare in this spectrum here. Uh, they're also trying to figure it out. Yesterday, I listened to a webinar uh, related to the opiate crisis and what could be done in non-pharmacological approaches and what needs to happen. And massage was talked about. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the VA, the Veterans Administration's whole person care is very innovative and has really set a template for massage in the medical world, if that's what people want to do. Um, and there, there's, there's opportunities, you know, we're so fortunate. Yeah. We work autonomously. Uh, we can collaborate, we can integrate. Um, but I spoke at the Michigan Chiropractic Association conference. I do that for them my son and I and I had multiple chiropractors come up to me and say what's going on with massage therapists I can't find them to hire and then if I do hire them they say I'm not paying them enough and you know and it's this and it's that and I can only bill this much and they don't get it and I am so over the drama I'm going to stop having massage offered mm -hmm. and yet at this webinar that I listened to yesterday, it appeared, it appeared that massage therapy would need to be still within an integrated delivery plan. And they talked a lot about chiropractic, more so, more so than a physical therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, so, oh, Whitney, I don't know. In some instances, it breaks my heart a little bit, to tell you the truth. Well, yeah, you know, I was going to ask, you know, you know, I've both, you've owned a school and I've been, you know, teaching in a number of schools for years. And we've both been involved in the school environment for a long time. And, you know, there's um, a lot of talk about what we used to call at our school, the the equation that was given by the admissions department about, you know, 50 to $60 an hour, you know, and then the, the, the prospective student starts running through their head times 40 hours a week, like, Oh, this is great. And that starts before they even start school. 
this mindset of I'm worth this much and I need to be getting this much. Do you think that sort of established mindset plays a role in maybe not appropriately understanding the whole economics of the work environment of what it really costs for an employer to run something. You know, I've seen, I see this and, and uh, not only in this is situation, but also, you know, many of my friends and colleagues who run clinics and have yeah. multiple practitioners working for them. And they say, you know, the, the, the practitioners that work for them feel like, Oh, well, you're just raking in the money and, you know, scraping it off the top of what we're all doing here. And without any kind of understanding of the overhead and the expenses involved in running that f aspect of it. I mean, do you think that there's sort of this, this underlying, not, uh, I'll, I'll say ignorance and ignorance, a lack of knowledge of what really goes on financially and economically for the sort of underbelly of our profession for that makes some of these practitioners not have that kind of, I don't know, work ethic yeah, is the right it's, it's, it's very confusing and I absolutely feel what you're saying. And, yeah. um, I, uh, not only does my, do we own a massage therapy school and have forever, but six years ago, um, uh, my family, my daughter and son and I decided to open a franchise mm -hmm. setting. Uh, and, you know, we had the facility and we had all of that. And, and in my mind, I'm going I know that this is going to be the major employment track. I know yeah. that Whether people like it or not. I know it. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to be a mentor and a leader in the field, I need to, I need to know it from the inside. Yeah. So I supported this and, and people have no clue. They have no clue. Mm -hmm. uh, the massage therapy community. And, and I, I do hold schools accountable. It's old think it's, mm -hmm think i am very supportive of massage therapy at entry level being vocationally trained mm -hmm. and that allows for a progression and career development and entry level focus is excellent in that wellness setting which is the biggest place for growth yeah can you let me uh, pause you for a second uh, and have you sort of elaborate explain a little bit what you mean by vocational training for those listeners who may not be understanding some of those distinctions non non academic degree okay uh, so, so you're talking about not a degree program right not okay. not an associate's degree not a bachelor's degree although i worked for many many years for there to be a pathway to those degrees mm -hmm. Indiana Heights University and other avenues. I think there needs to be a pathway. I yeah. think there needs to be a pathway of growth. Mm -hmm. I see board certification as a pathway. But the biggest growth is in the wellness sector, Whitney. Mm -hmm. it, it's And they're morphing out to take on this chronic pain management. Yeah. You know, so... Um, the the diploma program, the skill based program, uh, where most medical technicians are, if you want to look at it that way, how they are trained, uh, not not your nurses, but you know your medical assistants and and your respiratory, you know that sort of thing. They're trained in a vocational setting, and if you just look at the broader scope of what's going on in education in general. 
the vocational focus on education of skill development and moving into skill development is really being supported. It's, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's not the, the idea of having a degree. And I know massage therapists think, oh, we would be more respected by the you know, medical community if we were degreed. That's not true. So let me, yeah, let me play devil, devil's advocate and ask that question here because I hear that all the time is that we can't be taken seriously by other healthcare professions because we don't have an academic degree program. So what's your take on that? That That is not, uh, I can use my uh, experience with this international consortium. They were all degreed except massage therapy and structural integration. And I said to them, um, do I ask them this question? Would you have more respect for massage therapists if they had academic degrees? And to a one, they said no. What we want is people that can work with us. Mm -hmm. So we're hearing this trend, not only in our field, but we're hearing this trend. You know, I listen a lot to you know, podcasts, read blogs, you know, read books about the world of higher education in general. And we hear this over and over again, that employers are not so sold on the degree as they used to be in years past. They're sold on skills, yes. aptitudes, and abilities that they want the students to possess. So what you're saying is that's really what more people are interested in, not necessarily the the credential degree program that um, that we might have. No, because there's I, you know, a lot of argument for from a lot of other massage educators saying like we need to up our standards and have you know a, a bit more rigorous training program, we have more comprehensive training and degree programs, etc. So, um, you know, you're saying that you don't think that's I I not at entry level. Yeah, not at entry level. I do think that there needs to be a pathway. Yeah. And that pathway exists. It exists through board certification. And then the uh, CNIH University, but there's another college, uh, will take that board certification credential as academic training towards an academic degree. Mm -hmm. um, it's probably one of the best advantages of board certification. But people don't understand board certification. Really? Board certification <laughs> is our play. Yeah. <laughs> they talk about tier two, tier two. Yeah. It's already there. Yeah. But there's still that old guard out there with the wah, 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 wah. Doesn't mm -hmm. do any good. It doesn't make you make any more money. It doesn't do this. You know, and I have to go back to missteps by the professional organization. Yeah. And yes, it's Monday morning quarterback and all of that, but they missed it. And yeah. they can't agree. They can well, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, have made, you know, public mea culpas for years uh, for my time um leading, you know, and working on the board with the National Certification Board of feeling like the mission was not um, being followed and that the organization got co-opted into all kinds of stuff like, you know, co-opted into being the entry level credential for the profession for years when it never should have been in that game to begin with. So, 
um, I think those kinds of things are really hard to back out of and reposition yourself as something different when there's sort of that kind of legacy thing left along there. But uh, well, it's that legacy is being perpetuated by the old guard that's still teaching. And ah, uh, bless our hearts. All right. We instill in the new people coming in, I'm not talking about young in terms of age, but the, mm -hmm. the next generation of massage therapists, we instill this in them. They don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, we could change the narrative now. Yeah. But, but that takes a collective mindset shift, I think, also simultaneously, which is just... So very, very difficult. I mean, I, you, you know, you and I have sat and talked about this at length before, but you know, there are just so very few of us who are interested in and recognize issues around credentialing and how they influence the future development of the profession. And it's hard to get people interested in this as something that needs a, a great deal of attention and could guide the profession uh, along certain directions. But you know, I, I'm very troubled by some of the key trends that I see happening in education, in particular, the exorbitant rise of the cost of college for mm -hmm. getting these degrees and this whole idea that we need to steer the massage profession in the direction of getting degrees no. when the degree program often means you don't really learn more about massage. You just have to take classes in, you know, geography and, you know, English 101 and algebra or whatever to get your degree that doesn't make you necessarily a better massage practitioner. And I personally am very much in agreement with you that this vocational track is where we need to focus. And then it needs to have a supported second level for, or I don't want to say second level, but different track for those that want to work in, let's say, a more medically oriented environments or those places that require significantly more training and skill base. Well, and the VA uh, job description model and progression progression for advancement uses mentions uh, board certification and it also talks about complementary degrees like mm -hmm. in healthcare administration or something that goes along with that yeah you know but we're we're so stuck the days of the brick i own a brick and mortar school for goodness sake mm -hmm. the days of the brick and mortar school uh, that need to be modified mm -hmm. online education now that's where i see a real positive that came out of the pandemic was a an absolute uh push to look at technology as part of an educational delivery yeah and the other thing is that apprenticeship training earning while you're learning. There are actually federal programs. Arkansas uh, is a state that is following a, a federal, I don't know if I wanna use the word mandate, but a really strong push by the federal government to look at apprenticeship-based training as a similar track or in combination with vocational school training. Mm -hmm. And again, boy, the massage therapy community, including the 
Federation of State Massage Boards really, you know, stuck their feet into it. Although in their new policies, they are mentioning the idea of uh, if you have completed an apprenticeship program, but you can't shut stuff like that down. Yeah. Yeah, and we do. We try to anyway. Yeah. I want to ask another thing, and just to hear your take on this. You know, when we talk about this idea of sort of different tracks of education, I feel like the vocational training model that we have established has been a been doing a pretty good job of mm -hmm. training massage therapists for most of the the jobs, so to speak, that are out there nowadays and working in, you know, franchise operations, entry-level clinic positions and, and all that kind of stuff. There is the flip side of this, which is that we have one massage school training, but we also have a lot of practitioners who may be interested, for example, in working in more uh, complex environments with, let's say, in conjunction with other health professionals or places where they really do need training that goes above and beyond what happens at most massage schools. We have a really good delivery system for that vocational training with, and you'll probably be up on the numbers more than me. Where are we now in number of schools in the United States? If like in the nine hundreds or something? Or? Yeah, I I hesitate to be definitive on yeah. that. Uh, but the additional training uh, the, as you move into more complex environments um, and more fragile clients um, is it isn't about massage right it's about the environment and the hierarchy and safety that that could be delivered electronically with an apprenticeship program yeah and that is exactly what drove me into looking into online education you know starting back in the early 2000s because i saw that picture and that model which is that we had a situation where there were people that really thirsted for, wanted and needed some of that track of training, and they were being geographically discriminated against because, you know, or or in many instances financially also, because uh, the only way to get that training was with the continuing education workshops from, you know, the people who had come through the cities and, and teach some of these more advanced training programs and things like that. And uh, it seemed like there were a lot of people not able to access that kind of training. And I I was looking at this and thinking a lot of the same things that you are. We're not necessarily needing to learn new things to do with our hands as much as we need to learn a lot more about the why and the when, not know so much about the what you're doing, but why you do it and when you do it and how does it differ in these different kinds of environments. And those well, are all skills that could be done very effectively, I thought, in the online uh, environment. Absolutely. And the other thing is, is that in these in these uh, medical type environments with these fragile and complex clients, they're, they're fragile. Your massage approach is primarily comfort care. It's, and, you know, I was to swing it back to economics, um, you know, it, it will take a lot of massage therapists to interface with that. And the budget is going to be an issue. And, you know, people will say, well, I'm going to make a lot of money because I work at a, at a uh, long-term care facility. No, in fact, you're going to make more money either in a wellness sector employment situation, or if you've got a sustainable self-employed 
I've always been self-employed massage therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, people were just not, not happy when the pay scale came out for the VA. Mm-hmm. It, it's uh, the VA job description is as a medical technician um, where they have a lot of support staff uh, and with massage therapy. And it, I think it's an uh, E5. Anyway, it started out at about $15, $16 an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so we're back, you know, we're swinging back around to this whole economic thing. Where did we get to the point where we thought that our skill set was worth $150 or $200 an hour? Where did we get? It's we- the equation that the administrator, the, the admissions departments, you know, <laughs> advertise in so many schools just to try to bring students in the door, you know, and that's just, it really <laughs> sets the ball rolling. You know, I would not pay me a hundred dollars an hour to do a massage. Yeah. I just, I think it is just, and the, and a lot of that is also coming from business coaches and the, that I'm paid what I'm worth and, you know, I need to be paid what I'm worth. Well, I don't know. A, a personal caregiver that takes care of somebody who uh, is unable to provide their own basic care is probably frontline in compassion and they'll mm-hmm. never be paid what they're worth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand the economic pressures. I absolutely get that. We're in an inflationary process and trying to keep up and uh, um but you know i see people saying well i rebranded and i, I i'm gonna raise my fees again i'm thinking holy cow you know yeah, <laughs> yeah i went i went and took a workshop and so and so so now i'm gonna start charging more because i took this two-day crazy. workshop on something you know yeah it's crazy and massage is a maintenance restorative system it's it's not 12 sessions and you're out. It's it's best as uh, I'm going to take care of you forever mm-hmm. kind of a thing. And who can afford $700 a month to get a massage every week or every other week? Mm-hmm. You know, at the at our franchise location, we uh, we're more uh, rural where I'm located in Michigan. And the mem- a membership model oftentimes supports affordability in mm-hmm. a business. Um, and taking advantage of the membership model there, it's $60 for an hour session. Mm-hmm. A, a pre- you know, with a little bit of a discount um, for multiple sessions during a month. It's, a, it's an enticement for people to get regular care. And it does, membership does stabilize a business because you have at least some idea of what a baseline income is gonna look like. And people will say, well, like you said before, they're making all this money, it's making all this money. I'm in regular communication with franchise owners and they haven't taken a paycheck. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, and that's not just with franchise. Uh, and these locations, people who buy franchises are good business people. 
and they know how to run a business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if if they can't if they can't provide a product or a service at a price that is going to support public utilization, they're not going to do it. Yeah. You know, and so um, I I see a potential contraction of employment positions, which is sad. Yeah. So I was, you know, I had kind of said that we wanted to talk about the future of our profession. So tell me a little bit about that in terms of like what, when you look at your crystal ball and you sort of look at the future the relatively immediate future and farther down the road to what do you see happening with some of these trends? You know, uh, I mean, like most of us, I think in this field, were completely caught off guard by the franchise system when it came around. Like we weren't seeing that as a model and all of a sudden like, wow, this really changed a lot of things. But do you see any of those sort of big seismic shifts coming down the pike for us? Or what do you see uh, coming up ahead for us in the next decade or two? Well, I've already mentioned that the um, international spa industry, that complex, whatever you want to call it, they are very nimble and they're very savvy. Uh, and the a subset of that is the massage therapy franchise structure. Um, they're... The, the staffing is a real issue with massage therapists. and it, Staffing, but, you mean like getting them and keeping them? Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, um, there's a lot of things, but it's, it's very frustrating to have massage therapists as employees. And I am a massage therapist and I employ massage therapists and I only employ who I graduate and I get frustrated (laughs) (laughs) because they, they, there's so much done in terms of the career for a massage therapist by the employer that is not understood. And, you know, we've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. So um, this wellness sector is only going to grow. Uh, and it's going to reach out and really start to look at chronic, chronic pain mm-hmm. and chronic conditions and longevity and quality of life. And um, it's going to it's really going to be the platform. Yeah. I mean, um, that would seem to also follow this, the kind of demographics of what what is happening with the aging boomer population yeah. being a big lump of of the current demographics uh, yeah. that of people who, you know, can afford massage and want to utilize it for those purposes. That seems like that's going to be a likely growth well, place. And, uh, and this was reinforced with this webinar I watched yesterday, or, and it is the, and this is, this is a foundation of the uh, strategy at NCCIH, which is whole person care. Mm-hmm. It's about the whole person It's integrated, multimodal, multidisciplinary, uh, integrated treatment plan concepts working together, you know, and affordability and access was the big topic on that. Yeah. Um, and uh, how how is that going to happen, and where is that going to go? Um, and so 
And they weren't talking about that necessarily in medical settings. They were talking about that as part of a public health mm -hmm. is a, a broader umbrella. Healthcare, healthcare is on a big umbrella. And then you've got areas underneath it. Massage therapy is a healthcare profession. It doesn't mean it's a medical necessarily, you mm -hmm. know, the alone medical. Yeah. Uh, but it certainly has a place in an integrated team within the medical setting. So um, the medical, the, the acute care medical setting is in trouble. We know that. So uh, the, this very innovative uh, wellness center concept uh, is going to really take over. Now, where are they going to get their people? Where are they going to get their staffing? Mm -hmm. And not just with massage therapy, but things like meditation and nutrition and you know therapeutic skincare and all that kind of stuff. They'll open their own schools. Oh, so that could be a very significant trend. And we've <laughs> seen some, some touching on that to begin with. Yeah. And like, if you want to train the people in those kinds of things for your organizations, yeah. Yeah. They'll, they'll, get just, they'll just get tired of it. Yeah. And uh, and they'll train their own staff and they'll reset in that process. They'll reset the economics. Now, I, again, qualifying this with, I realize that we're in an economic crisis somehow, you know, at the same time, massage therapists are actually paid more than similarly trained other healthcare professionals. They're mm -hmm. not underpaid. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, massage therapists tend to not want to work full time. Well, that's another. I mean, that does bring in another issue. And I know you've worked on this issue, like with ergonomics things and stuff like that over the years. Uh, I certainly can can agree with, you know, in terms of like the time frame of what massage therapists are getting paid, like on a per hourly basis. But the other thing is the the reality of doing massage full time for people takes a significant toll on their physicality, uh, on their physical health to do that. And that's seems like that becomes another big obstacle to have to, to hurdle and, and jump is like, how do you do enough massage to make a living? Like if you were to say, okay, our pay rate is within reason. If we were working a 40 hour week, you know, getting paid that amount of money. But since I can only do this many massages a week before my body gives out, you know, how do you do that? Yeah, and you know, people can throw apples or rotten tomatoes at me if they want. You're you're not doing it right if you can't work full time. Yeah, That's and so the Massage Therapy Foundation is uh, they have rolled out phase one of an ergonomics um, uh, analysis. I'm sure you sat in a room with me at one time, Whitney, when I stood up and said, we have to have a for real ergonomics. That one I'm time? One time? <laughs> I've been saying this forever. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so 
and the, thank you for holding that candle. That's that's <laughs> I absolutely agree with you. We we nef we definitely need to do that. So yeah. there are ways to perform massage, and I'm going to tell you the thing that really down spiraled the ability to perform in a three quarter to full time practice was the whole idea of deep tissue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That really messed it up. And we're starting maybe to come out of that. Yeah. I have trained people to work full time for 37 years. Mm -hmm. um, and full time on a 40 hour work week, a 35 to 40 hour work week, I think I just looked at it the other day. It's 37 hours is what it is, is not 37 hours of massage. It's more like 25 to 30 hours. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and um, and and you gotta, you can't probably do massage the way most were taught. Mm -hmm. You can't use your thumbs, and you gotta, you know, you can't do this deep tissue stuff, and you gotta quit working, you know, hard and twisting mm -hmm. and turning, and and so the ergonomics phase one did highlight some issues that yeah. were. Uh, I think could make a difference. Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully that will, you know, help. But the way I, the way I see people work, no wonder. Yeah. No wonder they can't work full time. Mm -hmm. A massage therapist job is no harder than a construction worker. And probably less. Mm -hmm. uh, a waitress. Or a waiter, a food yeah. server, works just as hard as we do mm -hmm. if we look at it physically. Yeah. So um, there's, you know, there there's something there. Uh, and um, and I think we will be, if, if the Massage Therapy Foundation actually moves through phase two, that's where they're going to look at what they call a duty schedule. Yeah. You know, what can... Um, massage therapists do ergonomically what can they do yeah and uh but discussions i've had with ergonomists and other experts in biomechanics th that 25 to 30 hours of this type of work should not cause injury mm -hmm. yeah and i think a lot of that just i mean this is opening up a whole nother can of worms and something that, you know, I've talked about too, which is that this proliferation of schools that we had in the, you know, from the late nineties up until the, uh, you know, roughly just about 29, 2010, you know, uh, time period where we ballooned up to something like 1600 schools in this country, at least anyway, um, made a situation where we just did not have qualified faculty to staff all those schools and a lot of inappropriate methods, uh, concepts, ideas, and things got promulgated for many years through those situations. And, and a lot of that was poor biomechanical training for how to do massage. And, and, and that's, I think, led a lot of people to have these kinds of perpetual problems. So no, that's a hard the, thing to undo. Yeah. And it's, it's a real mess. It yeah. is, you know, but a lot of massage therapists, I, just looked at a bunch of stuff. Um, it's they they want to work three quarter time. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, it's okay, because now that's you know that's a big thing in the world right now is work like bounce and yeah. 
you know, this and that. I want to control my schedule. I want to be this way. I want to be that way. Um, and the uh, that's about 20 hours. Um, but you can't expect full-time pay for three-quarter time yeah. work, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not how it works. Yeah. Yeah. I feel bad. I feel really sad for uh, the uh, people who are wanting to do massage and then they hurt themselves because they haven't uh, learned some really basic principles like stand up, don't mm -hmm. lunge, mm -hmm. oh, um, use larger tools, whether, you know, um, don't reach. Don't, mm -hmm. don't do long reachy strokes, uh, yeah. you know, and uh, for goodness sakes, we got to do something with this maddening deep tissue thing. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that really, that deep pressure, the idea of pressure and yeah. that, you know, that's embedded in the consumer now. Yeah. You know? And so, and we did that to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that gets into all those, I mean, this is again, many, many other cans of worms, the whole fascinating thing around lineage uh, education models in our field um, that, you know, came from so-and-so went to this school and they were trained with, you know, uh, Ida Rolf's techniques. And that's where this sort of deep tissue process came from and all those kinds of things. So, yeah, uh, it, it is interesting to see that fan out, but it is, uh, it is a challenge. I think that we all have, uh, we'll have to grapple with for making people who can have a career of longevity for the future. You so. know, and it sounds like sometimes when I do these types of interviews or podcasts that I'm real down on the profession. I'm mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. um, I uh, Massage therapy is getting more recognition and more utilization if there were practitioners able to provide and environments that are career sustaining, if mm -hmm. people understood how to be part of them, than ever, than yeah. ever before. And if we lose this opportunity again, the big employers who are looking at uh, staffing or even the little employers, like my franchises are all little single owner businesses. They're not great big chains. People mm -hmm. don't understand what that is, you know. They, they'll find other ways. They'll bring in a float tank or they'll, mm -hmm. I mean, there's robotics now that are coming out and they always show up on time. Now they yes. do break down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, don't, they don't whine and gossip and complain in the break room. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we're going to have to start talking about the therapeutic alliance in, in artificial intelligence now. And I think that's going to get to be oh, another big podcast. It, it, it's huge. I yeah. see huge, huge breakthroughs in the next five years. Yeah. With huge. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I'm excited for it. I'm not concerned that it's going to take a human's place, but mm. augmented, mm -hmm. very interesting thing to watch. Yeah. Um, but I think that the education is, is we got to take a really solid look at apprenticeship type of education, blended education uh online um uh development uh for uh complex environments mm -hmm. 
um, uh, we got to really nail down the ergonomics. Yeah. Uh, and we need to re-educate and re-inform about the economics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really quite profound, wasn't it? Indeed. That's a great place, I think, for us for us to wrap here on that profound thought. So, and because I know, you know, if it was just up to us, we would be going on for another couple hours here going oh, through this. So, yeah. <laughs> but Sandy, uh, tell us if uh, folks wanted to reach out and connect with you, how is, what's the best place for them to to connect with you? Uh, well, the school is Health Enrichment Center, School of Therapeutic Massage in Lapeer, Michigan. We've got mm -hmm. a website and all, a YouTube channel that's got all sorts of cool stuff on it. All right. Um, and I'm active on Facebook. I know that's being kind of antiquated or whatever, but I'm, I'm very active on Facebook. I use it as a platform and I respond, you know, best I can, um, to messages and stuff. Now, if I don't know who you are and I don't know what it is, you gotta be careful because you're going to get yourself hacked or something like that. So, mm -hmm. You know, if you reach out to me through messenger or something like that, then you got to be clear with who you are. You can't just say, hey, Sandy, how are you? That yeah. I fell into that <laughs> one. <laughs> so, all right. Good thing to know. I can probably get away with that, though, right? You'll say, hey, I'm doing OK. How are you doing? So, yeah, if I saw you. Yes, yeah. I would. <laughs> OK. All right. Well, Sandy, it's been an absolute delight uh, having you here and I, I love having our conversation. So thank you again so much for doing that and for joining us here on The Thinking Practitioner today. Well, you do a great job. I like this podcast. Like I say, I've been a fan from the beginning and hopefully we can do this again. We will definitely do it again. Yes, we will do it again. And please keep in mind The Thinking Practitioner is supported by ABMP, the Associated Bodywork and Massage Professionals. ABMP membership gives professional practitioners like you a package, including individual liability insurance, free continuing education, and quick reference apps, online scheduling, and payments with Pocket Suite, and much more. ABMP CE courses, podcast, and the Massage and Bodywork magazine always feature expert voices and new perspectives in the profession, including my partner, Till Luga, and from me as well. The Thinking Practitioner listeners can save on joining ABMP at abmp.com forward slash thinking. We would like to say a thank you to all of our listeners. Thanks for hanging out with us here today. Hope you enjoyed our discussion and can uh, stop by again sometime. If you would like stop by our sites for show notes, handouts, transcripts, and any extras there, you can find that on my site at academyofclinicalmassage.com and then also over on Till's site at advanced-trainings.com. If you got any questions or things you'd like to hear from us or hear us talk about, please do email us at info at thethinkingpractitioner.com or look for us on social media. You can find us under our names there uh, over at Till Luca. Uh, also uh, mine under Whitney Lowe on social media as well. You can rate us on Apple Podcasts as it does help other people find the show. And you can hear us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you happen to listen. And please do share the word and tell a friend. And thanks so much again for listening. We'll see you the next time.